Chapter Thirty Eight of Snarleyow by Frederick Marriott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In which Mr. Van Slyperken is taken for a witch. Mr. Van Slyperken hastened into the street and walked towards the heap of cabbage leaves in which he observed the object of his wishes to have fallen. But there was someone there before him, an old sow, very busy groping among the refuse. Although Van Slyperken came on shore without even a stick in his hand, he had no fear of a pig, and walked up boldly to drive her away, fully convinced that, although she might like cabbage, not being exactly carnivorous, he should find the tail in statu quo. But it appeared that the sow not only would not stand being interfered with, but, moreover, was carnivorously inclined, for she was at that very moment routing the tail about with her nose, and received Van Slyperkin's advance with a very irascible grunt, throwing her head up at him with a savage ah and then again busied herself with the fragment of Snarleyow. Vanslyperken, who had started back, perceived that the sow was engaged with a very article in question, and finding it was a service of more danger than he had expected, picked up one or two large stones and threw them at the animal to drive her away. This mode of attack had the effect desired in one respect, the sow made a retreat, but at the same time she would not retreat without the bon bouche which she carried away in her mouth. Van Slyperken followed, but the sow proved that she could fight as well as run, every minute turning round to bay and chumping and grumbling in a very formidable manner. At last, after Van Slyperken had chased for a quarter of a mile, he received unexpected assistance from a large dog, who bounded from the side of the road where he lay in the sun, and seizing the sow by the ear, made her drop the tail to save her own bacon. Vanslyperken was delighted. He hastened up as fast as he could to regain his treasure, when, to his mortification, the great dog who had left the sow arrived at the spot before him and after smelling at the not one bone but many bones of contention, he took it in his mouth and trotted off to his former berth in the sunshine, laid himself down and the tail before him. Surely one dog won't eat another dog's tail, thought Vanslyperken, as he walked up to the animal. But an eye like fire, a deep growl, and exposure of a range of teeth equal to a hyena's convinced Mr. Vanslyperken that it would be wise to retreat, which he did to a respectable distance, and attempted to coax the dog. "'Poor doggy, there's a dog,' cried Vanslyperken, snapping his fingers and approaching gradually. To his horror the dog did the same thing exactly. He rose and approached Mr. Vanslyperken gradually, and snapped his fingers. Not content with that, he flew at him and tore the skirt of his greatcoat clean off, and also the hinder part of his trousers, for Mr. Vanslyperken immediately turned tail, 
and the dog appeared resolved to have his tail as well as that of his darling cur. Satisfied with about half a yard of broadcloth as a trophy, the dog returned to his former situation, and remained with the tail of the coat and the tail of the cur before him, with his fierce eyes fixed upon Mr. Vanslyperken, who had now retreated to a greater distance. But this transaction was not unobserved by several of the people who inhabited the street of cottages. Many eyes were directed to where Mr. Vanslyperken and the sow and dog had been at issue, and many were the conjectures thereon. When the dog retreated with the skirt of the greatcoat, many came out to ascertain what was the cause of the dispute, and among others the man to whom the dog belonged, and who lived at the cottage opposite to where the dog had lain down. He observed Van Slyperken looking very much like a vessel whose sails have been split in a gale, and very rueful at the same time, standing at a certain distance, quite undecided how to act. And he called out to him, "'What is it you may want with my dog, man?' "'Man!' Van Slyperken thought this designation an affront, whereas in our opinion Van Slyperken was an affront to the name of man. "'Man!' exclaimed Van Slyperken. "'Why, your dog has taken my property!' "'Then take your property!' replied the other, tossing to him the skirt of his coat, which he had taken from the dog. By this time there was a crowd collected from out of the various surrounding tenements. "'That's not all!' exclaimed Vanslyperken. "'He has got my dog's tail there!' "'Your dog's tail?' exclaimed the man. "'What do you mean? Is it this ragged, mangy thing you would have?' and the man took the tail of Snarleyow and held it up to the view of the assembled crowd. "'Yes,' replied Vanslyperken, coming toward the man with eagerness. "'That is what I want,' and he held out his hand to receive it. "'And pray may I ask,' replied the other, looking very suspiciously at Vanslyperken, "'what can you want with this piece of carrion?' "'To make soup of,' replied another, laughing. "'He can't afford oxtail.' And Slyperkin made an eager snatch at his treasure, but the man lifted it up on the other side, out of his reach. "'Let us have a look at this chap,' said the first, examining Van Slyperkin, whose peaked nose and chin, small ferret eyes, and downcast look were certainly not in his favor. Neither were his old and now tattered habiliments. Certainly no one would have taken Van Slyperken for a king's officer. Unfortunately, they took him for something else. "'Now tell me, fellow, what were you going to do with this?' inquired the man in a severe tone. "'I shan't tell you,' replied Van Slyperken. "'Why, that's the chap that I sees go in and out of the room where that old hellfire witch lives.' who curses all day long. I thought as much, observed the man, who still held up the cur's tail. Now I appeal to you all. What can a fellow want with such a thing as this? I, my good people, and want it so much, too, as to risk being torn to pieces for it, if he aren't inclined to evil practices. 
"'That's certain sure,' replied another. "'A witch! A witch!' cried the whole crowd. "'Let's duck him! Tie his thumbs! Away with him! Come along, my lads! Away with him!' Although there were not at this time we write about regular witch-finders, as in the time of James I, yet the feeling against witches and the belief that they practiced still existed. They were no longer handed over to summary and capital punishment, but whenever suspected they were sure to meet with very rough treatment. Such was the fate of Mr. Van Slyperken, who was now seized by the crowd, buffeted and spit upon, and dragged to the parish pump, there being, fortunately for him, no horse-pond near. After having been well beaten, pelted with mud, his clothes torn off his back, his hat taken away and stamped upon, he was held under the pump and drenched for nearly half an hour, until he lay beneath the spout in a state of complete exhaustion. The crowd were then satisfied, and he was left to get away how he could, which he did, after a time, in a most deplorable plight bareheaded in his shirt and torn trousers. He contrived to walk as far as to the house where his mother resided, was admitted to her room when he fell exhausted on the bed. The old woman was astonished, and having some gin in her cupboard, revived him by administering a small quantity, and in the course of half an hour Van Slyperken could tell his story but all the consolation he received from the old beldame was, "'Serve you right, too, for being such an ass. I suppose you'll be bringing the stupid people about my ears soon. They've hooted me before now. Ah, well, I'll not be pumped upon for nothing. My knife is a sharp one.' Van Slyperken had clothes under his mother's charge, and he dressed himself in another suit and then hastened away much mortified and confounded with the latter events of the day. The result of his arrangements with his mother was, however, a balm to his wounded spirit, and he looked upon Smallbones as already dead. He hastened down into his cabin as soon as he arrived on board to ascertain the condition of Snarleyow, whom he found as well as could be expected, and occasionally making unavailing attempts to lick the stump of his tail. "'My poor dog!' exclaimed Van Slyperken. "'What have you suffered, and what have I suffered for you? Alas, if I am to suffer as I have to-day for only your tail, what shall I go through for your whole body?' And as Van Slyperken recalled his misfortunes, so did his love increase for the animal who was the cause of them. Why so, we cannot tell, except that it has been so from the beginning, is so now, and always will be the case, for the best of all possible reasons, that it is human nature. End of chapter 38 Recording by Arnold Banner, Thurmond, North Carolina